price is less of an issue when quality and service um, are proven. And that was Sarah Wheelwright, and you will hear more from her on this episode. Welcome to The Other 99%. Hello, everyone. My name is Steve Whittington, and I'm your host. According to Economic Development Canada, 99.8% of all employer businesses are small to medium enterprises. Small to medium enterprises are defined as having less than 500 employees. This podcast is dedicated to exploring strategies, tips, and training for creating success as a small to medium enterprise. On this episode of The Other 99%, Sarah Wheelwright is the guest. Sarah and her organizations have won more awards in the span of a few years than top organizations could compile in decades. Sarah speaks with refreshing candor about the struggles of starting a business and growing a business. Enjoy the conversation. Who is Sarah and what do you do in your industry? Okay, um, who is Sarah? Well, I I guess um, I wear lots of different hats. Um, I'm Sarah, the business owner. I'm Sarah, the um, networker, I'm, I'm Sarah the immigrant, and I'm Sarah the mother. Um, so, you know, spitting those plates all together makes my life extremely interesting. Um, as well, starting my business, which is um, SNE Trusted Online Directories, that's a parent company. And that company is split really into two distinct sides of the business. There's the the, start, the, the part that I founded, um, which really started from nothing, and that's the trusted directory side. So we've got trustedsaskatoon.com trustedregina.com, and they're essentially uh, local city-specific directories that have 40 categories of the most searched um, categories for local businesses, and each of the categories contains locally accountable businesses that have passed a strict verification process, are contracted to uphold um, a specific set of service guarantees, and um, we hold these businesses to that. Um, So that's the directory side, and we market that as the trusted communities and the cities that we serve. Then on the other side, um, a newer side, which has been going for two years now, we have the marketing agency. So that came about in a very organic fashion because we worked out that the foundation of of consistency and keeping clients on board within this new marketing landscape was letting the clients know what what the heck was going on with marketing, with the online, with social media. And we started doing training sessions. And from that, people were like, you know what, I get it now, but we don't have time to do that. We don't have the talent to do that, the creativity part. You just take it on. I was like, no, no, we don't do that. Like we do this. And eventually when people keep asking you, Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have this, you just work a way out to do it. So Trusted Marketing Services launched in 2014, and and that really has taken on a life of its own, especially with what's been happening in the economy lately. Organic growth for organizations uh, is is often the way they expand, and and, uh, hopefully it, it makes sense. Now, a lot of our listeners probably know your backstory, but for those that don't, what was the spark and the reason you decided to start your own company? Um, you, you know, I always felt that I was going to run my own company. I just didn't know what it was. 
Um, maybe that was frustrations with working for bigger companies. My, I have a background in directory advertising in the UK for a huge company um, and then worked for a large radio company here in, in, in Saskatchewan when I moved here. Uh, so I come from the UK, obviously, otherwise I'm a fake accent consultant. <laughs> and um, I arrived here in 2006. And when I arrived in Saskatoon and set up home, when you emigrate, you don't take much with you. So everything was sold off in, in the UK, cars, furniture, and really we just kept the stuff that was important. So um, I landed here with my two-year-old son, um, my, my ex and his, his father of my children, um, you know, is Canadian, came from Saskatchewan. So, um, and then we just got a few suitcases, shoes, more shoes, uh, <laughs> uh, clothes, photographs, but no frames. Um, and then we got maybe a, a few things shipped over that were larger items. And setting up home and, and a bank full of money, you know, luckily, um, and setting up home was a struggle. I like shopping, but when you don't know where you're going and you're having to negotiate um, different areas that you don't have in the UK. I mean, things like, uh, I remember looking around our first house and I'd been to visit Canada before, obviously, but you don't go poking around your mother-in-law's house in the basement. So I'd never really taken much notice of the heating and cooling systems. Um, so looking around the house and they were like, oh, and here's the mechanical room. And I'm like, what is that? And, you know, so, so things like furnace and air, um, you know, that was something that was new to me. The whole real estate system was completely different to England um, and just a, a lot of differences. And I think, you know, when I came here as a, as a tourist, I thought it was very much the same to the UK. But moving here as an immigrant, I realized that there was a lot of differences. And to be honest, it was a real struggle. Um, trying to fill your house with everything from window coverings because we bought a house that was flipped so it came empty and bare. Um, you know, just trying to gather everything together was, was a stressful experience. At that time in 2006, a lot of local businesses had a very poor web presence or didn't have one at all. So I was going to places, you know, big box stores um, and struggling with the issues that comes along with that. I mean, I, I remember dashing down to the brick before the sale ended, not realizing that they have a sale every every other week. And if you and if you don't buy in the sale, you're an idiot. Um, but but there was there was issues with getting stuff. Um, I think it took about three months for a table to arrive, for example. And when it did, um, it came from Indonesia, I think. And when it did, it wasn't worth you know the money that we paid for it. So there was a lot of struggles, and I think that was really when the spark initially came. But I just pushed it aside because I was I was moving to a new country. That was the last thing I needed. I felt there was something lacking for people like me, um, new people, newcomers that came to Canada that needed help navigating everything and, and finding everything. And and more and more people were coming. So that was like the spark. Um, and then I kind of put it to that place in your mind that you'll get to maybe sometime eventually. And, you know, got myself a job in radio advertising, um, which was a very good move because what I was able to do with local radio was really connect with business owners and get myself out there and get a name for providing good service myself and, and being creative and, and things like that. And, and just learning about how, you know, the, the system works here in Canada. In 2008, um, I separated um, with my ex after having my twins. So I had three kids um, under the age of six and moved into uh, downsize, moved into another house. Uh, luckily, I was able to kind of get a nanny who helped me out. And then I became a single mom and I got ripped off by a local service provider. And I was really upset about it because I'm a pretty smart girl. And, I, and I, it was it was it was a job that should have cost 
$100 ended up costing nearly $1,000. And I'd, live, I'd, live, I'd left a check, a blank check with my nanny to pay for this, for this fix and then taken advantage of that. So uh, I was pretty mad about it. I remember, you know, speaking to my mum and dad and they come over from the UK once a year. And um, I was telling my dad about this and he said, oh, I wish there was somewhere for single women that don't have a man in the house to go. They don't know about things like that, plumbing and stuff like that. So that kind of got me thinking. I'm like, hold on a bit. I've been here for a number of years now. And I'm not a newcomer anymore, but there's still a need. So that's when I kind of started putting things together, really. And it's, it wasn't a great time to think about starting my own business. There's just going through a, a separation. Financially, things were very tight. You know, having three children that were very demanding of my time. But it just wouldn't go away. So that's how um, the ball got rolling. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty impressive uh, initiation story. I have moved like, five or six cities, so I know what you're talking about. You moved to a new city. I'm new to Edmonton, new being you know around two years, and you go through the exact same process. Uh, you know, where can you find a good plumber or contractor to do some work on your home or, or whatever it might be? Yeah. You don't have that network. Even if you move from Regina to Saskatoon, a lot of people have done that move, you know, either way. And, and you don't know where to go for, you know, a caterer or a lawyer or whatever, because uh, even if you're visiting from two hours away on a regular basis, being a visitor and a, and a, and a resident is completely different. Exactly. I, I believe there's a need. And obviously, you've had uh, five years now that you've been doing this and uh, you're successful. So that need has been validated. But in those five years... I suspect there's been some ups and downs, and because this podcast is dedicated to helping uh, people improve in the uh, small to medium enterprise space, do you care to share those successes and struggles? Because that's how we learn, is by reflecting. Oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, I've learned much more from my mistakes than from my successes. Um, you know, there's a cabinet full of awards, and, it, and it's great, but it's the awards I didn't win that, that made us able to win the ones that we did. Um, the first mistake I made was um, being eager to get into business, and, and, I, and I couldn't stop bringing in the money because I had a very good job with, with the radio station. I couldn't stop doing that to do this because I had dependents that, that only had me to depend upon. So I basically entered into a, a partnership with somebody that I shouldn't have. Um, that was my first major mistake, and it took about two years to get rid of that um, mistake. So it was a costly endeavor. It was... Um, it was something that uh, uh, I, I, I guess, you know, when you enter into a partnership with anything that's, that's got equity involved with it and that's something that you care about, whether it be moving in with a, with a partner or entering into a business relationship, you've got to expect that it's got to fail and you've got to lay down the foundation um, legally to make sure that you're protected, um, especially if you're the one with the idea or the capital or whatever it might be. And and that's something I speak to a lot of people that come to me. And I do get a lot of people contacting me, especially women, um, you know, that are thinking about going into their own business. And, and that's one thing I always tell them. If you are going in, there's a couple of you um, or, or more, you really need to break that partnership agreement in detail that you wouldn't even you know, think of, like how many hours you should work, um, down to the letter, you know, what the roles are, so your duties exactly, because if you start having crossover and people are doing things that you were supposed to do, um, you can go back to that partnership agreement. But if you leave it loose, then um, anything that's loose and, 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 you know, not detailed is, is going to be open for, for, for issues. And uh, that certainly was 
the biggest lesson. I'm very, very glad that I learned it early on because um, uh, fortunately for me, that the person I entered into a partnership with, you know, really started um, dropping the ball after the first few months. So um, I was able to, to move on, you know, without that person pretty quickly because I was the person that was in charge of all the finances because I'd put the money up. So, um, but uh, definitely was a lot of stress and it took, um, it took a bit of a, a legal battle to, to eventually get rid of her a few years later. So big, big lesson. <laughs> so that, that sounds like a down. Uh, what would be an up? Um, I think with the up, um, you know, just getting to the point, I mean, uh, certainly now as I, as I reflect, June 1st was the fifth anniversary of TrustedSaskatoon.com launching to the public. Um, when I started Trusted and, and the launch date, I I had this other person working for me. I was then working on an evening, um, basically doing all of the grunt work. She was going out seeing people. To cut a long story short, um, although I got permission from my employer to start this business, um, they didn't think it was going to work. <laughs> they were just, oh, yeah, just let you do that. You know, she's, she's got a great position with us. She's not going to jeopardize that. And she, they didn't really think that the Internet was, was, was a valuable thing. And, and uh, the VP of the company actually said to me, look, websites don't make money. So what are you going to do when it fails? Um, I ended up getting fired um, from that position um, unexpectedly because they, they basically it was taking off and they didn't really like it. So it was a big shock. But what it did do was teach me a valuable lesson that nobody sells your product like you do that created it. And it was getting a bit slow to be to, to, to take off. But once I a got off and had full-time hours to, to do what I love to do, and B, had a fire under my ass because I just, now I've got to prove something. Um, it took six weeks to get ready to launch. Um, and I'm proud to say that uh, about 17 of those businesses that were on at the beginning have been with us for five years. Wow. So, yeah. Um, retention like that doesn't happen very often <laughs> with the internet as well. Lesson one, have an airtight partnership agreement. Lesson two, be your best promoter. Would that sum it up? Absolutely, yes. Five years, and you have moved into being a marketer for your clients or a marketing service organization. Yeah. There's challenges associated with that. What ha why, why did you feel there was a need for your clients for you to provide marketing services? Um, so when we were losing people, and, and just like any business you do, it doesn't matter how great you do, you know, you're always going to have somebody that's not happy or their circumstances are just going to make the contract, um, you know, something that they don't want to carry on with. But, you know, I'm so passionate about what I do and so passionate about the product that we have. And I, I know hands down that dollar for dollar, we offer more value than any other advertising option. So my frustration was losing people that, I didn't want to lose that I thought were the perfect fit for what we do. So as I'm analyzing why, I realized they're not leaving because we weren't providing results and we weren't providing value. It was just they didn't know how to measure those results. They didn't understand, you know, the, the value of the stuff that we were doing because it was just the internet. And, you know, they were still focused on the old ways of, of looking at it and the old ways of, of marketing. And they perceived that, you know, a magazine was worth way more than a Facebook page. Um, they perceived that, you know, um, Google AdWords was worth way less than, than a radio ad. So I knew that the secret was going to be education. And training. So in 2014, um, in February, we had our first full day training session. We invited along for free all of the partners and I ran a full day seminar, um, catered, um, 
and just explain to them how the internet works, you know, why they should be taking social media seriously, you know, what SEO is, you know, and really broke it down in, in, in metaphors that they could understand. You know, Google is, uh, is the librarian of the internet. You know, there's 75 million websites indexed every month. Can you imagine 75 million books dropping right into this library? Google has to sort them out. And how do you make it easy for her to sort those things out? So, so, so things like that really helped. And within the first session, like, there was literally light bulbs going off all over the place as people were um, medium, small business owners were actually understanding it. And before this point, I think they felt stupid because they were spoken to by other people that were speaking in the language of marketers. And we just broke it down into language that they could understand. And then they started to really understand the added value that we were offering and why we kept on badgering them to provide articles and tips for blogs and why we were telling them to, to you know, to, to, to invest in a Facebook page and, and things like that. And that really was the turning point. But um, what that did was really position me and my team as the experts that they could trust when it came to this new marketing landscape. And slowly but surely, they started asking us for more. And eventually, as I said before, um, that's when the marketing agency um, really went from being a, an idea that I kind of liked the idea of to something that I knew was going to work really well. That's that's an important insight that, that I'm not sure if people pulled out, but you need to speak to your audience. And what that truly means is in ways that they understand, a lot of people can use industry jargon and i i talk to uh, teams that i lead about this uh, because it's very easy to slip into industry jargon and it means nothing to the customer no. reach doesn't mean anything to most local businesses and i always say speak to the dog in the language of the dog <laughs> sure <laughs> i don't know how to bark but <laughs> um and, and i also think as well um a lot of marketing agencies a lot of advertising companies um you really try to mystify what they do. It's like, oh, don't worry. You, this is magic. You can't do that. That's just something we can do. Well, we're just going, oh, it's actually not magic. SEO isn't magic. It's logical. And if you take these steps and you do this, um, it's going to go well. And it's also explaining to businesses, you know, what doesn't take long. You know, so, so maybe we're just not, we're not that popular within the marketing um, landscape locally because, you know, we're saying, you know, what, it only takes two minutes to upload that picture to your gallery or your website. Why are they charging you $200? You know, we, we really are kind of um, campaigning and advocating for a transparent marketplace when it comes to online. And we're spending our time demystifying and simplifying, you know, what really is a fairly logical process, thankfully. So looking at the small to medium enterprise space, those, those businesses, what do you, and you have many many clients in that business what do you feel is the biggest challenge uh, in that space it will just say specifically for marketing but you maybe have other insights for them in general um definitely with marketing it's, it's that switch it's that you know what my yellow pages isn't working anymore my radio doesn't seem to be working anymore you know what do i do and we're all getting those calls i'm sure you are as well steve from people from all over the world trying to grab some of our online dollars you know let's get you on the first page of google i'm calling from google ma'am and you know for a fact they're not um and and they're very wary they're very they, they, they've maybe um entered into something and they've been ripped off. Um, you know, they've, they found themselves and they feel stupid because they didn't understand. 
Um, you know, they understand radio now. They understand how, you know, flyers worked, but they don't understand how, you know, Facebook ads work or, you know, um, how to read their analytics, you know, to understand, you know, a lot of the time we get people that say, oh, yeah, we did Google AdWords and we got, you know, 7,000 clicks. I'm like, okay, well, how many of those, you know, stayed for more than two seconds on your website? And they have no idea, you know, so the measurability and just explaining how things are going. I think that's definitely the one thing because, um, a lot of times people just say, I just don't understand it. I don't understand the internet, you know, and they just want to leave it alone. They just want to like put it into a box and, you know, have somebody else deal with it. Um, and then outside of marketing, I think it's the same as it's always been, finding good people. Hmm. I look at the internet and I think the internet is the cause of another revolution that's coming on. Well, I don't think that many other people think that I'm just ripping off an idea. So you have the industrial revolution, uh, you have the information revolution, or you know, which is the internet, and now because of the access to all that information, customers are in the driver's seat more so than they ever have been, and certain pundits are saying that we're in the customer revolution. Do you think the struggle that small to medium enterprises are facing now is the fact that customers are so empowered? that they're having issues dealing with that, like customers come in armed with uh, auto comparison pricing and, and knowledge of every other business uh, competitor in their space. Is, is that is that an issue you think that they're facing today and they're, they're really struggling with and, and they're just sort of, I don't understand the internet, but it's also this is part and parcel to it? I, I do think so, and I think it's the doctor effect, right? It's the patient that knows more than the doctor or thinks they do because they've, <laughs> they've looked at it online. Um, and, and car dealers, I think specifically, you know, somebody's out on the, on the lot looking at a vehicle and then they're Googling to see. But what they're not realizing is that this vehicle has subtle differences to the one that they've seen that has limited um, details online. So I, I think that um, uh, transparency is the key. I think that um, if, you, if you market in the old ways where it was kind of like sell, 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 um, you know, price, 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 I think that you're going to struggle. And I think that we always say that price is less of an issue when quality and service um, are proven. So as long as you're doing things properly and you're doing a good job, if your website's a good reflection of who you are and people can spend their time, because people are researching more, they're looking at they're looking at sites like Trusted and they're spending a long time. Like our directories get on average, you know, just under two minutes spent on them. Now that's an extraordinary long time for a directory, which the industry average is about 20 seconds. So people are actually literally looking at things. They're reading articles, they're <clears throat> checking out reviews, they're spending a lot more time before they make that call. Um, and they're finding out who the people are that they're dealing with, who the company is. You know, they're making their decision before they've even walked through the doors. Um, so if you don't understand that and if you don't have, um, even if you have clients that you, that you rely on as, 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 as valued clients for years, if you make it difficult for them to do business with you, they will go find somebody that makes it easy for them. Absolutely. And when all products and services are becoming commodities, the only way to differentiate yourself in the, in the marketplace is through how you treat your customers. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know what? More so than ever before, because you've got the microscope of social media on you and, and reviews. And, you know, a lot of our clients, you know, are terrified of, of negative reviews. And, and, you know, I can understand that, you know, but you have to know how to deal with them. And, and you have to understand that when somebody makes a negative review online, it's like a dead dog lying outside your place of business. People don't just step over it. It puts them off. And um, you've got to know how to handle it um, correctly. 
I look at you're you're not going to be perfect as an organization no. because organizations are people, pe- businesses, people, and processes, and and people people make mistakes. I make mistakes every single day. I think what what uh, small to medium enterprises need to understand is it's not the fact that you make mistakes; it's how you deal with them. Yeah. You know, my advice is admit it, apologize for it, and then tell the customer how you're going to fix it. And and every mistake that you make could then be turned into an opportunity for improvement and for winning that business back uh, and then having a story in which the customer's like, yeah, they, they made a mistake, they owned up to it, and they fixed it. I, I, will, I would shop with them again because not many organizations do that. Well, exactly. And, and we actually had a, a situation with one of our clients that we do social for, and somebody had gone on and, and literally said that this, it was an auto service repair um, business. And, and they are a little bit different. You know, they, they, they're not your typical auto shop. Like, they, they offer a lot of stuff. Their, their showroom is pristine, for example. That you're, sorry, their waiting room is pristine that you're waiting in. They've got um, free car parking. They have shuttle services. They, they really do have a lot of additional stuff. They are not the cheapest. They are not at all. Um, and this person had gone on and basically, um, you know, said that they were far too expensive. They ripped you off. And, and he cited a story that he had. And my, my, my client was, was, you know, that's not the truth. And, and he was really passionate about it. And I said, I said, you know, why don't you just go write that? You go write that into a blog. You just go, you know, in a nice way, you know, lay out, you know, how you are you've got 22 people at work for you you have invested in providing a great customer experience and if they don't want to pay for that additional stuff then that's okay they can go to somebody else that's you know a, a back street um you know auto repair shop that has two employees and and you know doesn't offer the same things you know but i really think that you will get a lot of people not in their head they want to deal with you because you make it easy for them they can rely on you they don't mind paying for the extra because they trust you and they know you know they can see quite clearly where it's going so he did he, he wrote it um, very eloquently and and very simply with passion and um we then shared that, you know, on their social platforms. And what was to him a negative became a huge positive. So many people went on and, and, and shared, you know, how much they agreed with his position that, you know, that they were business owners too, or they, you know, choose, choose this company because of these reasons. And they all came to his defense and championed him. So, you know, the person that had made the initial um, negativity, you know, was was forgotten in all of the positivity that, that came from that. So, uh, not not being scared to to answer and, and to explain, I think, is huge because if that person had come into their um, place of business and the sh- and the waiting room was full of people waiting and they'd complained, they wouldn't have turned their back on them. They would have dealt with them in the manner that was professional. You know, they wouldn't have thrown them out or ignored them. So, you've got to look at the online. We've been talking about three themes in regards to the small to medium enterprise and, and the industry that you serve as, as a marketing services. One, education. Uh, two is uh, basically customer transparency. And then three is taking that customer facing transparency or customer service mindset and moving it digitally. As, a, as you just mentioned, you know, if they were in their shop, they would have dealt with them in a certain way. They need to take that uh, online. So those are three themes I hear. Would would you think that those are the three biggest uh, challenges uh, in your industry right now, or is there anything else that we've missed? Oh, you know, I think they are. I think they're the biggest challenges, and I think that they will continue to be. And I think, quite honestly, like, you know, take the Internet away. I think that the challenges have been pretty much the same for the industry, you know, going back. And we, we do have a, a slower economy now. I mean, 
it's not it's just a new normal i mean it was something that was going to happen it was completely expected i don't know why a lot of people were completely surprised and didn't plan for it but in in, in an economy that becomes a buyer's market um people choose who they're going to deal with not who can do the job yeah There's lots for of sure people can do the job you started as uh, a partnership of two went back down to one and now you have a team under oh, yeah. you I do, and uh, just actually brought in um, one of the team members as a as a partner that um, uh, I, I basically gifted the partnership because of the passion and the the sweat equity that she put in. So um, for me, you know, people are what makes this work, and I can only do so much by myself. Entrepreneurs like to do everything themselves; they're control freaks. So sometimes it's difficult to let go. Um, I think the secret to to a good team is is for me is the fact that I've done everything. So I might not have done it as well as some of the people that are in their current roles, but I can understand their pains. Um, you know, I've got a videographer. Well, I can video. I can't, I can't do videos and edit them as well as they can, but uh, I can sure understand their issues and I can sure understand where they're coming from. And is that your leadership style then? Uh, compassion and, and empathy? Um, <clears throat> empathy, yes, for sure. Um, I'm quite a taskmaster, I think. Uh, I don't know if you do Myers-Briggs. I'm an ENTJ, so I share the same personality as Margaret Thatcher, um, <laughs> apparently. And, uh, it's, a, it's a big one for entrepreneurs, and, and um, I, I tend to strive forward. And I can't stop and fix and band-aid every, every cut and bruise that my team has on the way, <clears throat> which is also a good person to bring in with, with <clears throat> the person that I brought in, Leanna, because... She is um, very emotional and um, as far as praising people. Um, I believe that I'm running the marathon. I'm the person that goes out and, and gets the kill and drags it back to the cave for the team to cut up. Um, I'm on a vision. I'm, I'm moving forward. And, and sometimes it's get out my way. I need to get, get there. I do stop and reflect at certain times and go back and give the kudos to people as they deserve. But day-to-day -day empathy, um, not so much. Um, but I'm the visionary and, um, you know, as I grow and now we have 18 members and more coming on board, you know, I have to now disconnect myself from the day-to-day -day stuff. I don't need to know everything that's going on. I just need to have people, which I have, um, that, are, that are good at doing what they do and I need to let them get on with it. And if they make mistakes, um, I'm there to, to help them through it if they, if they need to um, and to guide them um, as they see fit. Yeah, guiding and coaching I find in the roles that I have, one of the most important things, or I guess it could be argued the most important uh, task that I have or role that I have is developing other leaders. How do you keep up with the pace of change in marketing? It's so overwhelming. I mean, we're in the same industry and it's mind-boggling. I always feel like I'm behind. Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of the stuff that's happening in marketing online right now, I think... Uh, is um, software that's coming out to, to make things easier. Um, I honestly believe that anything that's easier isn't as good uh, <laughs> when it comes to things like social media. Like we, we do social media management and people say, oh, what software do you use? And like, we, we use fingers. We don't use Hootsuite. We don't use scheduling. We, we use the scheduling things within Facebook itself and their framework. But I find that when you start using scheduling software, as, as like Hootsuite and things like that, I think you lose the personality. Um, we view every single social media post or every single ad that we do for Apple's marketing clients like it was a Super Bowl ad. Um, we know, uh, and the clients can stop us at any time and say, why did you put that post on Facebook? And we can tell them why we did it, what we want it to do, and how we're going to measure it. 
Um, and that's super important. Um, I think there's a lot of frequency that's put out there with social media and with online stuff. And that's fine to a point, but if you're sacrificing quality for frequency, then you're losing personality. Your organization has won a lot of awards. There's a long list, and I'm not going to list them all off. Uh, 2014 ABEX uh, Award in Marketing, 2014 Bronze Stevie Award, International Women Female-Owned PR and Marketing Company, 2014 Bronze Stevie Award, Canadian Female Entrepreneur, and, and this continues to go back. We've got Women of Distinction in 2014, it's ABEX Award in Marketing in 2014, uh, you have Young Athena Award. You've been emceeing uh, certain award shows now. Uh, you're a SABEX finalist for community uh, involvement in 2016. And there's a bunch that I've missed. What <laughs> 2014 was a good year. <laughs> yeah. So what do you attribute this string of ex success for? And, and why are you getting these awards? And uh, what's the, what, what is it doing for you? And, and what's, what's happening? Uh, well, you know, first of all, the reason that we're winning is because we're entering, um, <laughs> for sure. It, it was always, um, as, as I moved from radio into marketing into the internet, you know, I, I, I got the pushback and, and customers and clients have told me that people were saying, oh, what, are they, what, are, what does she know? Like, she doesn't have any background in the internet. What, what has she done? She hasn't got a marketing degree. So I think it was important to establish that, you know, that I'm 41 years old and if I'd gone to university for marketing and, and was relying on that, that I would be telling you to do yellow pages and newspapers. So just because I don't have a degree in marketing doesn't mean I don't know marketing because I spent many years of my career dealing with small to medium businesses and helping themselves differentiate themselves on radio with my ideas and within directories as well um but that's something that you can't really put on your linkedin profile very effectively so it was always the aim to get some recognition um for marketing and that's what we do um via the sabex and abex and, and and things like that with the, the the local chamber awards and there's also the networking aspect as well and um I, I made a commitment to myself that we were going to keep entering until we won so they were going to get sick of us entering and um, of course, as you, as you do something more, you get better at it. So, you know, understanding, you know, how, how those um, awards were marked was important and um, making sure that we were concise, um, you know, not again, speaking, making sure we're speaking to the dog in the language of the dog and not getting too technical. Because if you ask me what my marketing strategy is, you know, I can tell you everything that we do, you know, but do we really need to do that? We need to focus on things that are the most important and the most tangible for the people that are going to be looking at it that aren't marketing experts generally. Um, so in 2012, um, we, we were in the ABEX finals, which was great to be recognized, you know, within our first year was fantastic. Uh, Flamin won. <laughs> and then we, 2013, you know, we were then recognized for provincially and um, within Saskatoon. Um, and then just um, getting nominated for various other things. And in 2014, it just all came together. And, and um, you know, the, the investment of time that we put into it and also the results that we were able to show, because I think um, what also happened was the shift in 2014 where, where people that were looking at it were actually understanding the value of the internet, where before people that were winning it, um, <clears throat> flamming aside, um, to be honest, Steve, were people that didn't really have an online presence. You know, and, uh, you know, one would be Bassitter, for example. We help them with their advertising now and have, have created their Facebook page. But, you know, in 2011, I think, which is when they won, like, they didn't really have a website. They, they didn't really have it. They didn't have any social media at all. They did buses and they did newspapers. So 
I think that um, you know that was that was also the judges and and that transition period that we spoke about right at the very beginning. You know who's marking the awards um, when it comes to marketing because if they're old school, um, then they're not going to understand you know what's happening now. And and certainly I think um, in 2014 was a, was a turning point for everybody as Facebook advertised and became. A, a good way to market yourself and local businesses were getting that. Um, for me, it was important to get um, these awards under our belt before we took that step into being a marketing agency because there's no company that's, that's an advertising and marketing company like us that's won any of these awards. So that was a differentiation right there. And I think, again, you know, we're not just telling you, Mr. Customer, how to market. We have done this ourselves. We started something from nothing, just an idea. And through marketing, we got to where we are today. So we can help you get to where you want to go as well. It's ironic that for a lot of Chamber of Commerce award ceremonies that marketing agencies never win for marketing. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I, think, I think it's because they, they, they speak to the awards, the people who are, who are looking at it, they're speaking to them like they're experts like themselves. So sure. again, I just use the same um, thing that have been successful for the clients and I just wrote in real speak, you know, what's the, and I showed what we did, why we did it, and what the results were. You have a lot going on in your life. Uh, so I want to talk about, about you. What are your daily rituals that you do that keeps you focused? And then where do you get your drive from? Um, there's nothing that gives you drive more than having, you know, three children that depend on you, you know, to... For, for their daily bread um you know so so that that definitely is my biggest driver and also the fact that i'm a perfectionist um which can be really annoying to work with but you know for me if it's not worth doing well then it's not worth doing um my daily rituals you know is checking facebook when i get up checking my emails checking websites that we're working on to make sure that they're going you know in the right direction um coffee <laughs> is a big daily ritual in the morning for me um uh, and, and then from there, it's just, you know, really kind of um, looking through my calendar, seeing what I've got going on today, prepping for meetings. Um, yesterday, I did a presentation at Innovation Price on Twitter. Um, next Monday, we have a, one of our biannual training sessions happening here in Saskatoon. The following Monday, it's happening in Regina. So looking at my presentations, trying to make sure that they're as fresh and as relevant as they possibly can be. Um, checking into to blogs and to, and, and to the Internet, checking Twitter, checking news feeds. Um, so that would be the rituals that I have. Um, I'm starting to understand that I need to put more of Sarah into that because um, five years has been 20 pounds, several gray hairs, you know, um, and, and really um, understanding that I've got to look after myself. If I don't look after myself, then, then I'm not handling the stress that comes along with working 60, 70 hours a week and having to run around with children's activities and, and, and handle relationships and, and, um, and things in a way that's, that's good. Um, you know, so that's something that I'm trying to focus on this year, which is, you know, putting some me time into the calendar and, and working out or trying to, um, instead of just collapsing, actually, at the end of the day, just, you know, trying to um, re-energize by, by using exercise and by using fresh air to do so. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. A lot of people that take care of other people forget to take care of themselves first. Yeah, I, I'm right at the bottom of the totem pole. And if something needs doing um, and other people might have dropped the ball, which doesn't happen very often these days, you know, I, I'm the last person. I'm the person that has to get it done um, because what we don't do is we don't ever want to overpromise and underdeliver. What keeps you up at night, either with excitement or with worry? 
Um, having eight people that depend on us for a job, um, you know, that's that's a big responsibility, you know, making sure payroll is, is paid and, and making sure that we're following through and doing the things that we promised we were going to do for clients that, um, that, that we made commitments to. Um, you know, uh, people that, you know, aren't happy, you know, um, it, it, it does bug me because, you know, I, I get frustrated sometimes and, and want them to understand, you know, everything that we're offering them and why can't we make them, you know, do these things that's going to help them. But that's the definition of insanity. You've got to make sure that, um, you know, you let it go. So so learning to let it go is, um, it, is difficult, but it's something that you have to do if you want to move forward. What's next? World domination. <laughs> uh, I mean, trust that it is going to work anywhere. I, I've got um, the person that's working for me down in Regina now is working towards ownership. So that will be the first franchise market. And that's always been the plan. I can't be everywhere. I can't clone myself. Um, I'm meeting with somebody at the weekend that's interested in um, in opening a market somewhere else. And I've been working with BBC on a franchise plan and, and, and working out a unique way to do that as well. Because, again, it doesn't you can't just have anybody do what we do. Um, and from there, it's just growing. I mean, the, the marketing agency has is, is been something that we haven't really marketed ourselves because we, we're struggling to keep up with, with the amount of business that we're getting on a daily basis, especially because in this new marketing landscape where businesses that haven't felt the need to advertise for the last five years, all of a sudden, they're looking at their phone and it stopped ringing. So now they're scrambling to catch up and um, they're being told by our clients and by others within the, the, the industry and the city and within the business community and the whispers that um, they should come to us because we'll help them, we'll explain it to them and uh, we have a proven track record in helping our clients. Well, uh, from the background noise, it sounds like things are getting busy and I really, really appreciate your time. You have a lot of exciting and interesting things on the go, so thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening all the way to the end of another episode of The Other 99%. I'm your host, Steve Whittington, and I hope you enjoyed the show.